how does blank affect OU football recruiting? And uh, we have the big story today. OU and Texas are headed to the SEC in 2024. Parker, Thune, and the text line. How does OU going to the SEC in 2024 affect OU football recruiting? Well, I tell you what, Tyler, right now the text line is full of, well, actually, people, because I said at the end of the 1 o'clock hour that OU has never had a quarterback win a Super Bowl ring, and everybody said, Blake Bell! Which I'm fed up with those people. But um, also, I'd rather I hear that than I'd uh, Troy Aikman get in that fight today. Yeah, well, I'm also waiting for Birds Aren't Real guy who claims that Michael Hawkins lost his starting job at Allen to show up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. But oh boy. Uh, Sugar Shane in Newcastle did ask right off the bat here, how does OU leaving for the SEC affect your over-under on those top D lineman prospects? Look, I, for my money... We've already seen most of the repercussions of Oklahoma's pending move to the SEC play out on the recruiting trail. I don't know that this news improves Oklahoma's recruiting efforts or the solidity of their pitch at all, just because everybody kind of had the understanding that it was overwhelmingly likely OU was going to the SEC in 2024 anyway. And especially as far as the class of 2024 is concerned, even if everything fell through, and Oklahoma didn't make that transition until 2025, all those guys were going to be sophomores by that point anyway. So it wasn't as if it was going to affect them until, well, outside of their true freshman season. Yeah, no, I I, I see that. I, I do think it's a benefit and a positive to, you know, be able to finally say, all right, 2024 is the year. Like it was this cloud hanging over the program for a few years, and now you know for sure that you're going to be in the SEC in 2024, and the exciting thing to think about is, well, okay, well, we saw Texas A&M get an get a, a SEC recruiting bump. We saw that, and it changed for them pretty significantly. So the question now, Parker, is what does an SEC bump look like for this program that just finished with their top five class in a long time? I think we have to expect some sort of an SEC bump, and if that is indeed the case and if that's going to happen – that's going to get you more active in the Southeast, even though you were this past cycle. Maybe that means, and I think it does anyway, but maybe that means this isn't the final top five class that we're going to see maybe in the next five years. No, I would be very shocked if we don't see multiple top five classes in the next five years. I think Oklahoma's on the early track to have a top five class again in 2024. And the guys that everybody's buzzing about today on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Sammy Brown, the five-star linebacker out of Georgia, our Steve Wiltfong over at 24-7 Sports reported earlier today that he was going to take an unofficial to Oklahoma in early April. So maybe that's a guy whose interest has peaked a little bit more just knowing that – well, A, knowing that that's a guy that's going to come in and play and be able to compete at the Power 5 level from day one and knowing that he doesn't have to wait a year – even in theory, to play SEC ball. So maybe that increases Oklahoma's chances there. But I think we've already seen the SEC bump. I think Oklahoma's going to sustain this momentum and certainly be able to make these pitches with a little bit more certainty going forward. And I fully expect, moreover, when you look at some of the guys that Oklahoma brought in in 2022 and 2023, that when they are getting prepared to play SEC ball for the first time next fall, they're going to have some dudes on this roster that are already SEC ready. 
SEC well, built, as it were. And that was my immediate thought. Like, when, when the news came down yesterday, and Peyton on the text line's already like, come on, Tyler, put some respect on my name. I was basically the one funneling that to you guys yesterday. Yes, Peyton, I'll put some respect on your name. You issued the, uh, the rumor that was out there. We talked about it. We confirmed it with, like, 30 minutes left in the show. That absolutely helped the, uh, the content out yesterday, Peyton. Thank you. But what I immediately thought of, Parker – was not necessarily the future and what this SEC bump might look like in 24 and 25 and beyond. I looked at the past two classes, and now that we look back on the 23 and even the 2022 class, and I think you kind of just hinted at it, how important now was it to field that level of defense on the defensive side of the ball, of course, in that 23 class. And yes, I know they didn't get David Hicks. Yes, I know they didn't get Jordan Renaud. And you wanted to have those guys on the interior of your defensive line. But surely, surely we can all come together today and say, yeah, that was the best defensive class that OU signed in quite some time. Now that you look back at it, that OU's going to be in the SEC their first season in 2024, I'd say that that's rather important that they sign this level of defensive class, wouldn't you? Yeah, and I think it's going to be all the more important too. If some of those guys that are true freshmen this year see the field and see the field in a substantial capacity, and I'm counting on it with guys like Macari Vickers and Peyton Bowen and certainly P.J. Atabari and everybody's raving about uh, the video that OU Football dropped on Twitter earlier where they showed some of the true freshmen uh, doing their photo shoots in preparation for spring ball and everybody was talking up P.J. and just how good he looked. But especially if some of these true freshmen get on the field – substantially in year one that's something that Brent Venables and his staff are going to be able to put in front of these 2024 kids and say look we're changing the way that defense is played at Oklahoma and if you don't believe that we're headed in the right direction just look at all these new guys that have been able to come in from day one and replace some of the guys that were already on scholarship before we got here what we're doing works it's going to continue to work and you're going to want to be part of it uh, let's get to the text line, 405-651-3439. OU has a chance to land Sim slash Smith, but it'll be an uphill battle for Winery slash Stone. Okay, so let's dissect that. Okay. I think we both agree that, yes, they have a chance to land both Sims and Smith. I, I would say like a pretty good chance to land both of those guys. Now, the second half of that says an uphill climb for Winery and Stone. I would say it's a steeper climb for Will Winery, um, five-star defensive lineman out of the Kansas City area, than what it's going to be for David Stone, five-star defensive lineman from IMG, who is a Dell City native. Like I don't know if I would put Winery and Stone in the same category right now in terms of an uphill climb. I think like Stone could be in his own category, and Winery might be in his own category. They're two very different types of uphill climbs, right? The uphill climb with David Stone is just the reality that That recruitment is going to have, well, to put it concisely, it's going to be wild. And it's just something that you're going to have to endure. Kind of like the Peyton Bowen recruitment last year. Oh, yeah. You're going to have to deal with a lot of drama as far as David Stone is concerned. Will Nguyenary, that recruitment is going to be relatively low drama, but he's got some very strong interests in other programs right now, most conspicuously Missouri and Oregon. So, I think it's more of a true battle with other programs right now for Will Nguyenary. The uphill climb with David Stone is just the fact that this thing could swing in a million different directions based on who within his circle of influence ends up getting their way. 
from the 580, we got a Brent bump, not an SEC bump. <laughs> well, defensively recruiting, there's no doubt about that for sure. Um, from the 405, why are Mizzou fans so butthurt about OU and Texas joining the SEC? Because Mizzou's – their road in the conference was already difficult enough, but at least they had, like, the SEC East, right, where they get to play Vanderbilt every year. Normally they're, they're more talented than Vanderbilt. Maybe you can pick on South Carolina from time to time. Like, the point is, is Missouri's road with OU and Texas joining got more difficult? But if we're doing away with divisions in the SEC, Missouri's road just got a lot more difficult. And I guarantee you, man, like, the, the way that the SEC works, they are going to punish schedule-wise the weaker teams in the conference, which, looking right at you, Missouri, like, this is not a great thing for Missouri. Money-wise, it might end up being a good thing, but from a competitive balance standpoint, this is not good for a, a program like Mizzou. That's probably why they're butthurt. Tyler's grinning from ear to ear I love right it, now. I love, no, no one hates the Missouri Tigers more than Tyler McComas. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's it's my favorite subject. Talk about how this just destroys Missouri, which Missouri's done a good enough job destroying itself here recently, but I do love the fact that this hurts them even more. Uh, from the 212, who's a possible diamond in the rough on the defense from the 23 class? I'm hoping it's Sanders on the defensive line. Yeah, early returns on Ashton Sanders, and I know they haven't even put pads on yet, but uh, that's a guy that has embraced the grind in the weight room from everything I've been told. And a guy that is uh, definitely, I guess the proper term would be motivated for now. Because again, we don't know what he's going to look like when they put pads on. We don't know what how, how he's going to adjust to the speed and the physical demand of the collegiate game. But it seems like Ashton Sanders has already earned a few fans within the walls of the Switzer Center. I'm very much of the opinion that in terms of guys that could outperform their recruiting ranking for looking at the three-star contingent for Oklahoma, man, I think Eric McCarty is going to be a stud down the line, and I think Phil Pachotti is a player that a lot of folks are sleeping on. I know Ronnie Crimson isn't because Ronnie Crimson was his primary recruiter, but uh, when you consider that Sammy Omasigo and Lewis Carter have commandeered the vast majority of the headlines at that position as far as Oklahoma's recruiting in the 2023 cycle is concerned – Pachotti has somehow become a guy that has flown progressively further and further under the radar, and I think he's going to be a baller. Uh, let's see. My in-laws are Mizzou fans, and they hate us to the core for beating up on them all of those years. We got some Mizzou hate uh, going on the uh, text line right now. And you know what? It's already a Friday, and I'm in a good mood, but seeing all these people make fun of Missouri along with me, has uh, made me quite happy on this Friday. You, you know what I think is funny and enjoyable, and you know this is right up my alley. Uh, ho hopefully you are enjoying this as much as I am. I doubt Screw I'm enjoying Missouri, it as much as you are, Tyler, but I don't, I, I don't know if there's anyone enjoying it as much as you are. But Probably certainly not. the Air Comfort Solutions text line is good and active with Missouri slander. Uh, keep the text coming. 405-651-3439. Lots to cover today with recruiting and uh, OU to the SEC. I'm in Chickasha today, dude. I am on the road. Morris Motorsports right here in Chickasha, 4400 South 4th Street. They've got four-wheelers at Morris Motorsports. They've got motorcycles, side-by-sides, Razors, Rangers. They're even going to have some jet skis in the uh, spring as well. And um, just saying, a lot of OU coaches 
buy their four-wheelers and their side-by-sides and, the, you know, their fun toys out here at Morris Motorsports. So if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for you. We're the home of Sooner fans. Morris Motorsports is the home of the free lifetime engine warranty, which is pretty cool. So I'll be here until 6. They'll be open until 6. Morris Motorsports and Chigashe. We're to come next right here on The Ref. We're the home of Sooner fans. Locked in with McComas and Thune on a Friday. I'm at Chickasha Morris Motorsports. Go check out their entire inventory at morrismotorsports.com. They got a ton on the showroom floor, I can tell you that much. You walk into Morris Motorsports, you're like, dang, they got a lot of units on the showroom floor. Uh, I'll be here until 6 p.m. in Chickasha, which, by the way, speaking of Chickasha, home of Steven Alexander and his son, Cooper. Hello. Keeps racking up the offers, Parker Thune. He just got his first SEC offer, Vanderbilt has offered Cooper Alexander. So he's got a Colorado offer. He's got a Tulsa offer. He's got a UNLV offer. No OU offer just yet, but that's one that we will be uh, monitoring throughout his senior season out there at Washington. Without question, and I think it depends on whether this class is a two-tight end class for Oklahoma because I honestly think you don't need to take two tight ends this coming year given that you have – Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn, both of whom are rising sophomores. You got Cade McIntyre, who's a freshman. I think you can get away with just taking one tight end. And if there's one tight end in the 24 class that Oklahoma is going to be in position to land and to take, I think that's going to be a reclassified Devon Mitchell. But if that move to Los Alamitos proves more significant than any of us realize at the moment, and Devon Mitchell, say, ends up at USC playing for Mule Shoe or something along those lines. That's a situation in which I think it would be especially wise for Oklahoma and Joe John Finley to look Cooper Alexander's way. Yeah. Uh, Phil Pachotti, the name alone screams baller, says the text line. What, he's going to be wearing number 50 this year? Is that what I saw earlier? That is what How you saw. How does everyone saw. feel about uh, Phil Pachotti in number 50 as a linebacker number? How do we feel about that? I mean, I, I I don't have a strong feeling about it. Is is interesting Feel to me okay that, about it? It's interesting to me that PJ Adabare was doing the photo shoot wearing number eighty nine because he's not going to wear number eighty nine. He's wearing number thirty four. Um, so maybe all of those jersey numbers. And I don't have extensive knowledge of what every single one of these guys' plans are. But maybe Phil Pachotti was just doing the photo shoot in the number fifty. Maybe that's not actually the number he's going to wear. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, six seven eight area code. Dang Tyler, I just left A and E Grill on Grand to come back to Blanchard. Well, swing back over, man. Come on, you know where Morris Motorsports is at over here in Chickasha. I uh, got a few ref koozies if you want to come by and grab one. I'll uh, I'll be here till six p.m. Come on, it's not that far away from Blanchard. Uh, come on by here. Hey, you mentioned uh, you mentioned PJ Atabare before we go back to the text line, and I had this written down in the rundown sheet today. Do Have you identified anyone in this 24 class that might be similar or the next P.J. Atabare? And what I mean by that is it's February. He's a little bit under the radar, maybe a two-star or a three-star, maybe a zero-star. But a guy that you think OU is going to get in on and you think that he is just going to rocket up the – 24-7 player rankings for the next, you know, seven, eight months or so. Yeah, let me, so. let me give you a guy that has yet to receive a composite ranking but that I think is going to shoot up the boards in a hurry, and that will be a recent offer at linebacker for Oklahoma. D'Angelo Barber out of Pinson, Alabama, goes to Clay Chalkville High School, 
which is kind of a feeder school for Power 5 talent the last couple of years. They got a cornerback, Jalen Mbakwe, that's a borderline five-star in the 24 class. He's committed to Alabama. Mario Craver was a wideout from that school that Oklahoma pursued for a while. They ultimately ended yeah. up going different directions. Uh, Kamari McClellan's a four-star quarterback in the 24 class at that very school. So you turn on D'Angelo Barber's tape, man, there are a lot of similarities to Lewis Carter. They're virtually identical in terms of frame, six foot tall, 205 pounds. And Barber's a guy that just flies to the ball and arrives with so much force. Man, that was the first thing I saw. I mean, three, four clips into this, into his junior tape, I was like, I'm watching Lewis Carter right now. That's who this guy is, and it makes yeah. all the sense in the world why Brent Venables and the Oklahoma staff ended up pursuing him and being one of the first P5 programs to extend an offer. He is a missile to the football, and I got on the phone with him a couple of weeks ago, and he said, I, I thought this was a really cool quote, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't have the quote in front of me, but he basically said, look, anybody in the opposing jersey, I'm going to make them feel pain for 48 minutes. Well, that sounds like a Brent Venables guy right there, does it not? I think on that quote alone, he might have just gotten offered, just yeah. to, just by saying that. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds like their type of player. Uh, here we go, Kendall being a cynic on the text line. Go ahead and mark it down. Oklahoma isn't going to offer the Alexander kid. I mean, his dad being a former Sooner probably doesn't carry much weight. Oklahoma only gives the in-state kids preferred walk-ons. <laughs> oh boy i i uh I, I was having fun with the uh missouri slander early on we're, we're not going to turn the show into that today are we surely no, not no 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 we're going to ignore that text and move surely on surely we can avoid that okay uh peyton says if we don't get michael hawkins who does ou pivot to it's a good question uh i <laughs> I don't know that that contingency plan is in place yet because I think OU is very much counting on getting Michael Hawkins. So I would hope that by March that entire conversation is rendered moot. But if you don't end up with Michael Hawkins, I would figure Oklahoma probably looks at a guy a little bit closer to home, probably probably within that 250, 300-mile radius from Norman, Oklahoma, a guy that – they identify as somebody that's going to climb the charts. And, you know, may, alternatively, maybe Jeff Levy takes a swing at one of the big names in the class that's still uncommitted like a Michael Van Buren. But I have every reason to believe that Michael Hawkins Jr. is going to be Oklahoma's quarterback in the class of 24. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of feels like OU feels that way as well. And look, it, if, if, if worse comes to worst – and you don't get Michael Hawkins, and you have to go get, oh, God, a three-star quarterback. Could you imagine how the text line would react to that? Like, I, I would prefer to have Michael Hawkins, who's an elite quarterback in this class. I would prefer it. I'm just saying if it doesn't happen, well, you've got Jackson Arnold, who is obviously a five-star quarterback coming in this class. You can absorb that blow a little bit and then kind of regroup in the 25 class and then go after your next high four-star, five-star type of quarterback. Yeah, so I'm, it's not like you absolutely need one in this class, but I think we all want one, obviously. Are we sure Michael Hawkins is that good, though, Tyler? Because from what I heard, he was on the verge of losing his starting oh, job at Allen, and that's why he transferred. <laughs> 
<sighs> oh, boy. James Peoples, who do you think OU competes with for him after released, he released his final six? I'll give you the rundown. James Peoples, I believe he's uh, currently a four-star out of San Antonio. Ohio State, Texas, OU, Bama, TCU, and Oregon. Do you identify this as an OU-Texas battle? No, I would say actually right now this is probably going to end up being more of an OU-Ohio State battle. Texas is in it, yes, but – for now, at least, James Peoples favors Oklahoma over Texas. So I think he's very intrigued by Ohio State, and I don't think he has visited yet, but that visit is on the books for the month of March. Uh, there are good relationships there up in Columbus with Peoples. So I I think this ends up a battle between the Sooners and the Buckeyes, and you got to like DeMarco Murray's chances based on what he's been able to do the last couple of cycles. No doubt Ohio State uh, has some – they, they've got a pitch with what their running backs have done uh, over the last few years under Ryan Day as well. But I I don't think Texas ends up being the spot. I think it's OU or Ohio State in the end. Uh, let's see. Let's get to a couple more. Bevel still wouldn't be QB3 behind JFA. Just a random shot again at Davis Bevel. You were uh, toying with the idea of a Davis Bevel positivity hour, and I feel like we're a couple of texts away from finally getting to that Don't today. make me go there, people. You don't want that. I don't want that. Just don't make He'll me go, go there. there. I'll do it. He'll do that. Okay. Uh, Sean says, longtime listener. I can't imagine how Tyler would react if we got a three-star quarterback. I, Sean, you shouldn't be worried about me. You should be worried about everyone else. But, yeah, it wouldn't uh, – it, it would not – look, it, it would be fine in the end. You, you got Jackson Arnold. I think Jackson Arnold's going to start in his in, in his career here for the first time since Blake Bell did it. So, you should be okay. But, yeah, everyone uh, – Everyone wants a four-star quarterback or a five-star quarterback. Here it is again, Parker, from the 5-1-2. Is James Peoples related to Will Peoples? Oh, my goodness. I feel like we're going to have to be oh doing goodness. this for the next three months or so. Maybe oh, longer. my goodness. This, this, this listener clearly was not tuned in yesterday because we made this an entire meme on the text line. Uh, somebody on the text line also said anything on Danny Okoye out of Tulsa Noah, uh, another listener that probably did not get the opportunity to t- tune in yesterday. Uh, no, I'm going to go ahead and preemptively answer the question. Danny Okoye, to the best of my knowledge, is not related to the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye, nor will Danny Okoye end up in Oklahoma sooner. That is all. Yeah. All right, Morris Motorsports here in Chickasha. Check out their full line of inventory, morrismotorsports.com. Four-wheelers, motorcycles, side-by-sides, razors, rangers, They could even sell you a jet ski out here at Morris Motorsports. Kawasaki, Can-Am, Polaris, Honda, Hisun. They got all of the top-line brands here at Morris Motorsports. Open until 6 p.m. Come by and see them. More coming up right next, right here on The Ref. We're the home. Locked in with McComas and Thune on a Friday. I'm live in Chickasha at Morris Motorsports, where the text line says, Is Morris Motorsports related to Chandler Morris? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. That made me laugh. Nice job, Texter in the 405. Uh, Some news and notes across the country. Colin Klein is no longer a Notre Dame offensive coordinator candidate. Is that a Colin Klein decision, or was that a Notre Dame decision? That was, and I, I, I know a lot of good folks up on the Kansas State side. That was a Colin Klein decision. Colin wow. Klein turned down Notre Dame. That job was his if he wanted it. So we talked about Alabama scraping the bottom of the barrel 
Notre Dame's the one scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point as they try to find their next offensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, what else? Quinn Ewers, is the mullet really gone? It looks is, that is, way. Is that, a th- is that a real thing? Xavier Worthy putting out on Instagram? Quinn Ewers will not have a mullet next season. Wow. But you mean future Man, Oklahoma Texas. Sooner Xavier Worthy, Tyler? Yeah, yes, him, who will transfer here after spring ball. Yeah, I, I miss those rumors. Quinn Ewers, the power of the mullet. So now they only have the bowl cut, not not the mullet. Unbelievable. Uh, somebody said on the text line, is Miguel Chavis related to John Chavis? Uh, Chapstick yes. says, why why would we worry about a three-star? We've done really well with three stars, Baker, Bradford, etc." I would take any one of those guys over Gabriel, who, if I remember, was also a three-star. Yes, Dylan Gabriel was a three-star as well. Anyone else want to guess who was a three-star quarterback? I'll give you a hint. He's going to be playing in a football game this weekend. Patrick Mahomes. I was uh, I was looking at this on 24-7 Sports earlier today, Parker. How uh, Philly and KC, like how their players fared as recruits. Yeah. Mahomes was a three-star. Travis Kelsey was a two-star. Orlando Brown was a three-star. Creed was a four-star. Woo, Creed getting all that attention. Lane Johnson was a no-star. <laughs> so, like, look, I, I am a stars-do-matter type of guy. Like, I, am, I do, do also believe in finding diamonds in the rough. I don't think you can make an entire class out of that if you win a title. But, you know, it's, it's proven out over, over time that some of the best players in the NFL, yeah, like Mahomes, three-star. Kelsey, two-star. Like, those two guys are Hall of Famers. Lane Johnson did not have any stars whatsoever. So I, it's just always interesting to, to look at that. Uh, from the text line, 405 listener asks, is Colin Klein related to Calvin Klein? Uh, another asks, is TJ Perry related to Refrigerator Perry? Uh, stay mm-hmm. tuned for the answer yeah. to that. Same on body Monday type. <laughs> Same body type, those two guys. I think absolutely. Uh, here's, hey, a, um, here's an interesting question. Is the 2023 class more important than the 2024 class in terms of competing in the SEC now that recruits know that the Sooners are moving into the SEC sooner than later? I think this 2023 class is pivotal in retrospect because you got some guys that can be legitimate building blocks for an SEC defense. And – I think primarily of P.J. Adebare, Makari Vickers, Samuel Masigo, Peyton Bowen, your four top defensive signees, all four at different positions, right? Omasigo a linebacker, Vickers a corner, Bowen a safety, Adebare defensive lineman, edge rusher. And so you have legitimate SEC-ready talent at all three levels of this defense that you can build around. So, yes, I think this 2023 class is pivotal. Now the question becomes – A, can you have those guys ready to step into the starting lineup as sophomores come 24? And what can you surround them with? This is where the addition of Desan McCullough via the transfer portal looms very large because he will be a junior your first year in the SEC, and that boy good. Yeah, well, he's already an SEC-level player defensively at least I think and I think the numbers kind of kind of bear that out and the projection bears that out as well and no I we've talked a lot about yeah looking back at it now it was it was good to get that 23 class defensively and what you got in that hall with Adabare and Bowen and Pachati and really everyone else that you got but the transfer portal hall now especially Deshaun McCullough like some of those guys you know won't be around I guess once you get into the SEC but Deshaun McCullough will man and, and he's a guy that 
you know, maybe you can build a defense around. He, I mean, he's that level of player. So I, I think this transfer portal hall, absolutely. And, of course, Parker, next year's defensive hall uh, – or uh, transfer portal hall defensively is going to be huge as well. No question. And we don't know – we obviously don't know what the transfer market is going to look like for instant impact defensive guys uh, come next December, January. But if you can land one or two guys the likes of Deshaun McCullough via the portal to add to what you're already going to have – I, I, I'm just trying I'm, – I'm letting people know right now. P.J. Adabare in 2024, it does not matter what conference Oklahoma is playing in. P.J. Adabare will be dominating, and he will be a double-digit sack guy. Make no mistake, I watched that dude toast two different Alabama signees effortlessly at the All-American game. That is the type of talent, folks, that is going to play no matter who you're going up against on Saturdays. Yeah. Let me read a few more of these because they've been a big part of the show the past couple of days. Is Colin Klein related to Mud Dogs head coach uh, Klein? Uh, coach Klein? Yes. Coach Klein is uh, Colin Klein's father. That's who it is. 5808 says, is Patrick Mahomes related to Jackson Mahomes? That is another <laughs> relation, yes. Though Patrick probably wishes he wasn't related to Jackson Mahomes at this point. That's that, Honestly, Tyler, like, Patrick Mahomes is a pretty likable dude. What makes Patrick Mahomes hateable, what makes him less likable in a lot of people's eyes is the fact that his wife is one of the most obnoxious people on the face of the earth, and his brother is a TikTok tool. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't surround himself uh, with the most likable people. But you're right, Patrick Mahomes is a – he's got to be one of the more – likable guys in the NFL I think I feel bad for the guy because, like, of his own accord, he's really likable. It's yeah, just extremely all the people around him are not. Uh, Jay in Tulsa said, "Does Peyton, is Peyton Bowen related to Julie Bowen?" Uh, yes, <laughs> yes. Five eighty eight. Travis Kelsey and Jason Kelsey are in fact related. Yeah, you that storyline hasn't been shoved in your face enough this week. The brother bowl, the Kelsey bowl, whatever you want to call it, coming up on Sunday. Hey, um, so we've been talking a lot about these. Big four defensive linemen, four in the top nine. We're going to continue to, to do so. It's going to be a big offseason conversation for us during this recruiting hour. Is like is the big four, like is that right? Do we need to focus all of our attention for defensive linemen on those four guys? Or is there someone else out there that OU's in on or could potentially get on that we're going to talk about in the same sentence as you know these four guys that we keep mentioning? Offhand, no, just because I think OU has already built such great relationships with those four guys that they're not really going to press the issue with any other defensive linemen until those four come off the board. One guy that I think Oklahoma is prepared to take regardless of which side of the ball he wants to play is Eddie Pierre-Louis, big Eddie out of Tampa Catholic in Florida, a guy that has power five interest as both a defensive tackle and an offensive guard. Grew up an Oklahoma fan, so that's a that's a nice little development for OU. And then a couple brothers that we've talked about on this show previously that are scheduled to take, I believe, their third unofficial visit to Oklahoma the first weekend of March. Ty Cool and Ty Clean Lumen out of Miami. Yeah. I, well, we've already said that you, you've got to sign those two guys just based on those names, right? That's a package deal right there, Parker. I think we all want that to no, happen. The, yeah, those I'm going to read are, one more. Those two are very much a package gonna, deal, by the way. You get one, you get both. I'm going to read this this last one because it's the best one that we've heard in the previous two days. God, this is brilliant. Is the new Big 12 without OU in Texas related to Conference USA? 
<laughs> sir or ma'am, like that is that straight from the nine one eight. That is that that's maybe the best text we've gotten. All oh week. That's man, fantastic! Locked and yes, in listener of the week of the day, right there. Can confirm that those two uh, used to be related to one another. That's that's great. Um, I'm seeing on three throw this out hypothetical divisions when OU and Texas joined the SEC. They've got Arkansas, LSU, the two Mississippi schools, Missouri, OU, Texas, and A&M in the west, and, of course, the rest of the teams to the east. Basically, um, they push Alabama and Auburn to the east. Now Missouri is in the west with uh, OU and Texas, so that's interesting. I, my understanding, though, is that they're doing away with divisions, correct? Aren't we doing no divisions in like a 3-6 or a 1-8 schedule moving forward? I don't know exactly what the whole structure is. There are a lot of different models that have been floated. Uh, I, I know there was, like, a year and a half ago, all the buzz behind the scenes was for the four-team pod system. But if we do away with divisions, I don't hate that. It's a sheer meritocracy all the way. Best two teams, or I guess best four teams. Are they going to do the two-stage championship thing where they have four teams that essentially play a two-week series? Uh, you have conference championship semifinals one week and then the conference title game the next week. That'd be sweet, I, there's a man. There's a lot of possibilities on the table here. Uh, by the way, Tyler, did you go by Ty Cool or Ty Clean in high school? Uh, Ty Cool my junior year, Ty Clean my senior year. There you go. Yeah, I, I actually got uh, both of those nicknames. It was pretty awesome. It, it was pretty great. All right, um, man, we got a lot of text to catch up on coming up next segment. We'll do our best. But also, I, I, I'm curious, like, and, and we'll extend this conversation into the rush, but how's everyone feeling about the timing of the move? Like, we knew the move was going to happen, but, but the way that the roster currently looks after last year, what you think about the future of this program, it's happening in 2024, one more year in the Big 12, just the overall timing of OU going to the SEC. What do you feel good about? What are you worried about? We'll get to those texts and a whole lot more coming up. Final segment of Locked In on the other side. Final segment, Locked In with McComas and Thune. Live on the ref, we're the home of Sooner fans. I'm in Chickasha today at Morris Motorsports. You know, we at the ref, we're the home of Sooner fans. Morris Motorsports, they're the home of the free lifetime engine warranty, which is pretty cool. Kawasaki, Can-Am, Polaris, Honda, and Hyson, they got all of the top-line brands right here at Morris Motorsports. Check them out, morrismotorsports.com. I asked you guys about the timing uh, going into last segment. Here's a text from the 918. I think the timing's perfect. Gives Britt Vittables one more recruiting class to catch up, and now he can sell a specific date to recruits who may have been on the fence about waiting two more years. I agree with the point that, to me, it feels like the timing is perfect. I, I, I think this team will be better going into 2023. Do I think that they're ready to win the SEC next year? No, not not exactly. But one more year to build up your roster, one more transfer portal cycle, a year to kind of get this 2023 defensive class acclimated and ready to you know, really be big contributors in 2024. Like We'll see how the timing ultimately works out, Parker. But I do like the idea of playing one more year in the Big 12 and then going to the SEC. I think that, that t- for right now the timing seems ideal. Yeah, the timing is perfect, especially when you consider what else is going on in college football in the year 2024. Tyler, USC and UCLA moving to the Big Ten, the college football playoff expanding to 12 teams. 2024 just always seemed like the most logical juncture for all of this to happen. And I think it's nice that all of the change, 
all of the pending change that we're about to undergo across the college football landscape kind of happens at the exact same time. Just makes it easier for everybody to track and easier for everybody to process. That's the thing with this move. And you said it with 2024 with the you know, 12-team playoff is you're going to change conferences. And it's going to be a very difficult league. Everyone knows that. But the expectations, at least to me, aren't going to change. And I don't think that they should either. The expectations most years around here is, well, make the four-team playoff. Well, the expectation in the SEC is, yeah, that league's going to be tougher, but it's still going to be to make the playoff every single year. Now, maybe the expectation now isn't to win the SEC every single year like it's been the Big 12, but making the playoff will absolutely be the expectation, I think, and once we finally get to that, that season. Yeah, especially because when you once you're playing SEC ball, yeah, the schedule's tougher, but you're going to have a lot more leeway. Think about in years past, look at the last five or six years. I would guess that without exception over – and you could really extend that to the entirety of the college football playoff era. I think if you go all the way back to 2014, I, I firmly believe that if you really sat down and did the homework, you would have at least four SEC teams in the college football playoff field every single year. So really all yeah, you have sure. to do – to make the playoff if you're Oklahoma in the SEC is you just have to be in the upper echelon. And 9-3 and three most years is probably going to be good enough. Well, 9-3 and three might get you, what, fourth or fifth in the conference? And to your point, yeah, like you're saying the top four teams in the SEC might get in a 12-team playoff. I think that there might be some years where it's five to six. I, I, I guess we'll see. You know, I, I I don't think that that's going to be crazy to say because the SEC is already considered the best conference in college football, and that's not going to change now with the addition of OU and Texas. Like the Big Ten will be number two, but I think there's going to be a very noticeable gap between the SEC and the Big Twelve. So yeah, maybe OU even gets the benefit of the doubt moving forward, like some of these SEC teams have had previously, and that's kind of. Maybe what this text is hinting at from the 918. Biggest thing moving forward is ESPN will give OU a huge push to capitalize their TV draw, which in turn opens the entire SEC recruiting area. Well, I think the entire SEC recruiting area is open to OU right now, but will it create maybe more avenues to get into some of those schools? Yeah, potentially. I, but, but I think the staff already has some pretty good relationships in the Southeast. We, we saw that with last year's class. They certainly do, and I think it's going to be important that they land at least one big-name player out of the Southeast in 2024 just to keep the momentum rolling in that regard because you That's got, Macar you got yeah. Macari Vickers in 2023, and I know PJ gets all the headlines, understandably so. I know there's been so much buzz about Peyton Bowen. But Makari Vickers, being the caliber of player that he is, being able to go to Tallahassee and beat out Nick Saban and Alabama who were pressing hard for that kid, that's one of the more understated recruiting wins of the entire 2023 cycle for Oklahoma. And not only that, but to go and get Lewis Carter out of Tampa when everybody figured that kid was going to be an Auburn Tiger or a Florida Gator. It's those types of victories on the trail that Brent Venables and his staff, if they can make a habit of over these first two, three cycles that they're at OU, it's going to yield big dividends down the road. Well, that, that's a good point because OU essentially sent a message last year in Kansas City that said, hey, we're about to do big things in this area for the foreseeable future, getting you know the, the two high-level players that they got out of Kansas City. 
And I think that they did the same thing in Florida as well, getting four of the top 40 recruits in that. So, yeah, I think that's big again. Going up and cleaning house in Kansas City again, going to Florida or somewhere else in the southeast, getting a big-time prospect. Like, I, I don't know if they were trying to send a message. I think they were just trying to get good players. But it does send a message, man. Like, I think OU sent a message with that, and if they continue to do so, then it just develops that pipeline even further. And you're going to have to recruit in the southeast on an year-in, year-out basis, in my opinion. You don't have to make a whole class out of it, but you got to be you got to be active in the southeast, I think, if you want to finish in the top three in the SEC on a year-in, year-out basis. I think, I think that's important. Without question, you're going to have to deepen the relationships down there, and you got a guy in Brent Venables and assistants like Todd Bates and like Ted Roof as well that have deep-rooted recruiting connections in the Southeast. And so it comes down to whether you can continue to leverage those for your own benefit and as you continue to dig into your local hotbeds in places like Kansas City and Dallas. The more you can solidify certain regions of the country as far as your foothold there, the less you have to do in terms of looking places like Washington and Pennsylvania, right? Which is, those are two states that Oklahoma got commits out of in the 2023 class. But there ideally comes a point in time at which Oklahoma doesn't need to go explore those states. Uh, one text from the 405. Winning the conference is not the most important goal. Getting into the 12-team playoff is. In 2024, those first four playoff games on campus will be off the chart exciting. Well, hey, more SEC in 2024 talk coming up the next three hours. I promise you that. Morris Motorsports right here in Chickasha, home of the free lifetime engine warranty. The Rush coming up next. Keep it locked right here on The Ref. The Ref.